0: Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. I thank you to Rabbi and Mrs. Moshe and Yafa Fetman for sponsoring this evening's shear. They're doing so in honor of the yard sites of Ramosha Aaron Ben Yisroel. His yard site is the second of Adar. And Chaya Bas Yaakov Tzvi, her yard site is the sixth of Adar. Their neshamos should have an aliyah. Amen. So after two weeks of background, Now we officially start our workshop, Jewish Meditation Workshop. You'll find your mats underneath the the chairs. (laughs) What I want to share with you this evening, some of these ideas are extremely simple, straightforward. Concepts that we're all familiar with. On the other hand, being able to actually implement some of these ideas into our lives can and will transform our Vodas Hashem and the very essence of who we are. So very simple ideas, the difficult or the more complex part of what we'll speak about this evening is the implementation uh, of bringing these concepts into reality. True or false? Rabbi Yisrael Salanter was known as the father of the Musser movement. True. True or false? Rabbi Yisrael Salanter invented the notion of learning Musser. False. false. How do we know that's false? Musser, without even exploring or defining what exactly it is, it's part of Torah. We have Musser within Chazal. We have Rishonim, who wrote great svarim on Musser topics, the Sharei Chuvah, the Rebbeinu Bahaya. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter in the 1800s, did not invent the concept of Musser. However, he did revolutionize the methodology of how to learn Musser. Take a look here. This is a a piece written by one of his main disciples, Reb Yitzchak Blazer, where he describes the innovation of his great teacher and master, Reb Yisrael Salanter. He says, "Admor zatzal shina pene He changed the way that Musser is learned, the way it's studied. And he gave it a Surah acheres, he gave it a different form, a different way of approaching it. Before the times of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, many people would study works of Musr, svarim like the Shari tshuva, mesilat yisharim, or chosadikim. And the truth could be, right, obviously we're talking here about the realm of Musr but this expands to all areas of people trying to, to focus and raise their <coughs> abodes Hashem. If it's in the world of Chassidus, if it's in the world of Machshava, there is a general way that, that these svarim were approached, namely, the same way I study Gemara, the same way I learned Tanakh or Mishnayis. It, it, it's, a, it's a resource with information that could uplift me, that could give me moral clarity, spiritual direction. But I learned it in pretty much the same way. I learned Chumish, Rashi, Gemara. Says Rabbi Yitzchak Blazer, the innovation of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter was, Vidas hu The goal of focusing on information within Chazal that could change our lives <coughs> Is really it has two different objectives. The first is Yediya Bahaskala Bahmas Haira, gaining knowledge and insight into the realm of the Chachmas Haira. <coughs> understanding more what a Hu wants from me, what is my role, what is my mission in this world, gaining more of a clarity in, in how I could serve Hashem in truth, with sincerity. However, the second aspect of learning is the hisorirus, which is more of this emotional awakening. Asher al yideha limud besifrei musr, that through studying these works, yeichem levavo paul nafsho v'yikonarucho, one can warm his heart and move his soul. Awakening within himself a real solid yura and Ava for Hashem. So Rabbi Yisrael said, besides the learning to gain information, there's a different purpose, another goal as well, which is what he referred to as Musr bihispalus, which means I'm learning in a way that will move me, that will inspire me, that will awaken that inner world within me. So how do you learn in a way that it actually changes you emotionally? So Rabbi Yitzchak Blazer summarizes the basic approach of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. He said you should learn as follows, and we'll see how this leads us into what's potentially called a form of meditation. (laughs) Bihispalus ha with the, the agitation of the soul, believe nachon, with a steady heart, b'kol otzev, with a profound or almost mournful, solemn voice, b'sefisayim dolkos, with your lips aflame. laharchives harayon Hushi chushi, in order to expand the thoughts, through tsiurim, through images, using the imagination. Kikoa mo'el mo'od lemusser, because not just reading the words and, and, and saying the words, but actually picturing the scene, creating this harchovas hadas, this expansion of mind, where I'm envisioning that which I'm saying, that has an impact. Le'oror ha'nefesh berrigsha se'ivarem, to awaken the soul and to bring to life all of my Ivarim, every aspect of my body. He says it's similar to the power of music. Koach klishir v'kol zimra, listening to a beautiful melody or an uplifting beat can bring a feeling of joy, can make you want to dance. Listening to a, a more somber, Sad song can obviously change your mood as well and make you feel more reflective. But this says Reb this was the basic approach that Yisrael Salantar shared with the world. Musar behispailus, learning about information that can change us in a way that will change us moving the inner world, uplifting the soul, and strengthening the heart and the mind of a person. He says, anecdotally, I remember many times watching my great Rebbe learn Musser in this particular way, with this form of meditation. And you could hear him, right? I could be in a different room, but his voice was so loud it felt like the base Medrash was shaking. But it was such a pleasant, attractive voice that was Ma'ora that awakened so much kedusha within me, just listening to the way that he would learn Moser. And sometimes I would hear and repeat. He would repeat the same words or the same phrase, the same pasuk, over and over again. Come over, upon him. Anyone who heard the voice, the singing of my Rebbe, your heart would melt and turn into water. He concludes by saying, you should know, in contrast to the classical obligation of Limud HaTorah, of Torah study, the learning of Musr is not unique to men, it is shoghulachal nefesh. It is a universal obligation, men and women. Not just learning Musr, but trying to become somewhat familiar with this form of meditation known as Musr bihispilas. Now, before we delve in and actually go through an example or two of Musr bihispilas, what will I? feel like? What will I look like if theoretically I really focus on learning these tools and techniques, and I become consistent in this form of meditation? What kind of person will I be five or ten years from now? Will I be changed? Will I be pretty much the same person? Rabbi Yitzchak Blazer says, Yedin emana, you should know with certainty, Imkilo nigla Haroshim, if you don't feel any difference immediately, don't worry. the eyes of the intellect know. And sa'itim halimud. if we remain consistent with this form of meditation, a meditation that we have a strong and long mesora backing it through gathering all of those little forces within that limon acher musser you will be transformed into a different human being. So we began our exploration of meditation quoting from the Torah Savram, who said that there was something unique about the yeshiva in Slabotka, the yeshiva in Europe, where they were able to accomplish a shinui transforming the young men who went to learn in the yeshiva. It wasn't just an intellectual expansion, but there was a real mapecha, there was a transformation of the human being. One of the main ways they were able to do that was through utilizing this particular form of meditation. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter himself, in one of his letters, he says, I encourage everyone, in the vision of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, it was not sufficient to do this by yourself, in your office, at your home. But he wanted there to be what he called the base ha'musr, a special place like a base madrash that people would go to for this purpose of engaging in musr bi Uniting, although everyone in their own individual avoda, but uniting in that same mission. <speaking in Hebrew> to be able to pour out one's spirit and soul.. <speaking in Hebrew> he has an amazing line. He says, if we focus on making this part of our lives and part of our Avodah HaShem, then you could call me Chai. Then I could really be alive. Lo <laughs> margish We mentioned last week from the Eish Kodesh that so much of the Avodah we're trying to tap into is that we should be living with the Hargashem, with this emotional connection to Yiddishkeit, to the life that we're living, to consciousness, to our family, to our friends, says Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, you need to grab onto this meditation to be in the category of chai. Otherwise, we're described as mace. So let's jump in. This is, I guess, a guiding approach, and we're now going to apply it to a meditation that we could refer to as hachana. Hachana means preparation. The Torah tells us v'chay you should live by the mitzvot, and the Ramban explains ki chaye haadam the way to actually live within the mitzvot Kafi hachanaso lahem is solely based on your preparation as you engage as you approach the mitzvah. My preparation as I walk into any moment in life, if it's limud haTorah, if it's tefillah, if it's saying a bracha, or if it's any interpersonal conversation, this will be transformed by my hachana, my preparation prior to this moment. Who were the first ones that we know of to engage in this meditation of hachana? Chasidim Rishonim, the Mishnah tells us in Brachos, going back thousands of years, two thousand years, Chasidim Rishonim, how you in Sha'achas and Mispalin, the ancients would actually focus Sha'achas in this context. Sometimes Sha can mean a moment or a while, but it's clear from the Gemara that this means actually an hour. They would take an hour before davening, and then they would daven, in order that when they finally would approach Tfila, they would have the capacity to be to focus their hearts and mind on Hashem. So the Ramchal explains, based on this mission of the haMitzvah Mishonim, we can't just walk in, to a mitzvah without preparation, without yishuv hadas, without a sense of, of uh, clarity of mind. Rather, yasmin atzmo lediver ve'yochen libo b'mitun I have to mentally get myself ready to have mesinus hadas to be grounded and and. And strong in my mind, in order to enter into the mitzvah behisbononus with thought, with contemplation. How do I do that? So, says the Ramchal, we have to ask ourselves two questions. The first question is, Mahuholech lasos, <laughs> what am I about to do? Like we said in the beginning, this is not necessarily super deep or esoteric. When you sponsor the shear, you're allowed to have the cell phone go off in a minute. It's one of the, <laughs> the conditions. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Not a very uh, difficult or complex equation. What do I ask myself <laughs> before going into a mitzvah? Two questions. Number one is, "Mahu huholech lasos. <laughs> what am I about to do? Number two, in front of whom am I going to do it? Okay? Imagine for a moment if you actually did this. Right? Imagine for a moment you would actually pause and ask yourself these two very simple questions. I'm about to say shahakal on my cherry seltzer. Okay, so what I'm about to do, the answer to that question is, I'm about to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the beverage. In front of whom am I saying thank you? I'm saying this in front of the infinite Boreola. Not a complicated cheshbin, but it could obviously change the bracha substantially. If you look at the Pelioites, who gives us similar guidelines that we find in the Ramchal, he adds one more interesting <coughs> question that we could ask ourselves as hachana, as preparation. Pala writes, hakol tzarech lasos hachana bedaito kol mitzvah, you want to have some level of mental preparation before engaging in any mitzvah, before saying any bracha, I should think before engaging in the mitzvah or before saying any tefillah. mitzvah hazos? Question number one: What am I about to do? And question number two: Ma tam So that's interesting. The Ramchal said the two things to ask yourself are, what am I doing and in front of whom am I doing it? Pelayoet adds another question we could ask ourselves, matam yeshba, why am I doing this? And again, this doesn't mean I have to sit there for 35 minutes going through all of the hashkafa, the different opinions of the Rishonim and the achronim behind this particular bracha or this particular mitzvah. But if there's a reason that I could relate to that I'm familiar with, and if I don't have a reason that I am familiar with, the answer is, go find it out. Go find it out. There's something I could grab onto. I'm about to light Shabbos candles. Why do I light Shabbos candles? Because it's almost Shabbos. What am I thinking before I light Shabbos candles? So, because women usually do this, the assumption is they're thinking a lot more than men ever think about anything that men do. And that's a valid assumption. Right, and there are many, many filos that are commonly said. But you picture yourself about to light Shabbos candles. What am I doing? I'm being Micaim the Mitzvah the Chazal said, You light candles before Shabbos. Matam Yeshba, what's the reason for lighting candles? So it happens to be. I, I'm familiar with the Rabbeinu Bachaya, who speaks about the light in the house the is a remez. It represents the, the, the light of Torah that I want to bring to the world through my family and through the kedusha of Shabbos. I could have that thought cross my mind within 10 seconds. What am I doing? I'm being makame mitzvah. I want to. I'm davening, and this should be my expression, my desire to bring more light through Torah and ruach to the world. And in front of whom am I doing this? I'm doing this in front of a Kaddosh Baruch Hu, who's ready and, and, and embracing my mitzvah. Those three thoughts, those three answers to those three questions can all take place within 15 seconds. Very simple, very straightforward, nothing deep and Kabbalistic, but it can transform the hadlakas Neros to a whole different Madrego. If you think about the application of this Ramchal and the Peleoites to interactions between husband and wife or between myself and my children, I'm about to have a conversation with my son. I know it's not going to be pleasant because my agenda here is to get him to do his homework. So that never goes well, and likely he won't listen even after I ask him a few times to do it. But imagine if we were able to take the direction of the Ramchal and the Pele and ask myself these two or three questions before I engage in that conversation. What am I doing? I'm trying to get him to do his homework. Okay. Matam <clears throat> Why are you doing that? Well, he needs to do it, okay? But why, why do you care he does his homework? Let's say he misses tonight. He doesn't turn it in tomorrow. What's going to happen? Is he going to be a failure in in life? He won't make it into college. He won't get a job. Why do I care? Well, I care because I I care about him. And I want him to do well. Why do I want him to do well? Because I love him. And I know that if he's able to be consistent and, and on top of his game educationally, that will help for his overall self-esteem and and that's a huge thing in his life so if i could clarify that intellectually in my mind at some point in time before i engage in that conversation and then bishas mysa right there and then before i i open my mouth and i try to convince him do your homework what am i doing why am i doing it i'm not doing it for me I'm not doing it, I'm not engaging in this as a power struggle. I'm doing it because I love him and I want his best. In front of whom am I standing during this conversation? I'm standing directly in front of the Kodesh Baruch Can we do this for every interaction we have? Absolutely not. And if you tried, you'd probably go insane. However, if we could do it once in a while, incorporating some of these hachonah meditations before engaging in a mitzvah or a conversation, it could transform the entire experience. I was speaking to somebody recently who is right now struggling with some basic fundamentals of emuna and bitachon, And... You can imagine if someone is going through that particular challenge and they're also in a yeshiva setting where basically your schedule is to be learning 12 hours a day, it's hard to, uh, to motivate myself to be learning with the hasmada and the diligence of everyone else if in the back of my mind I'm questioning some of the most basic beliefs. So how do I, how do, I do this? See, so take the same exact strategy. It's all about, what's my mental preparation? I shared with this young man a chazal that I think could be very powerful. And we don't have to memorize chazal for this form of hachanah. We could have one phrase or, or one line in our head. HaKadosh Baruch who says the chazal teach us, Halavai osi ozvu v'torosi shamoru Machzirim Lamutov. Hashem says, "You know what? Halavai! If only my nation will forsake me, they'll forget about me. They won't really have a relationship with me. That's okay. Shamoru. If if they're still learning Torah, I'm good with that. Machzirim Lamutov, because the light within the Torah will bring them back to me." So I told this young man, imagine having that in mind. You don't have to have answers to your questions. And no one likes to live in this state of confusion and, and instability, but sometimes we find ourselves there. So what's my motivation now to learn? My motivation is, Hashem doesn't care that I'm doubting His existence. I don't have to care that much either. <speaking in> Halavayo <Hebrew> shamoru just engage in the learning. That light, that power will impact you, that will bring you closer. Someone told me, another I think very apropos application of this idea, in, uh, in his work setting, oftentimes he would have to encounter different people that were very much from the secular world and uh, culturally and in the mode of dress very different society. And sometimes he would find himself struggling with different temptations and misiones. He said, Whenever I told myself, don't look, or don't say that, when I was trying to fight that challenge head on, it never worked. He so said, There was one time during a meeting where I started singing a song to myself. He said, right. we enlighten our eyes through your Torah. And he said when he was singing those words, he was thinking about, of course I have a temptation to look, but my real desire is, v'har e'neinu b'sore I, I want to have clarity in ruchnius. I want to be closer to you. If that works for you, and you could have that almost as your guiding mantra before coming into that nisoyo and before getting into that struggle, that's another application of hachana. I'm preparing for the ultimate of Bodhis Hashem. I want to share with you a beautiful marshal that of Shimshon is He speaks about this regarding hachana, preparation, before before davening. Davening is probably one of the hardest things we do. Because we do it every day, three times a day, naturally it becomes very, very uh, habitual. The Shulchan Aruch, though, tells us, before Abshim Shem, Shem Pinkist, the Shulchan Aruch says that just like the Chassidim Mishonim who did that hachana meditation, we should also do that hachonah meditation before davening. Now, do we have to actually sit there for 60 minutes meditating to be mecha libum libam lovinu That's not realistic. However, says the Mugan of Ram, at least for a moment, right? The language of the Mugan of Ram is l'shar for the rest of the people, right? We're not those chasidim. Dai b'sha even for a few minutes, to be able just to gather your thoughts, to have the yeshuv hadas, to ask the questions of the Ramchal and the Peleyoids, what am I about to do? In front of whom am I doing this? Why am I doing this? It could be a 30-second conversation with yourself. It transforms the tefillah. Says Reb Shemshin Pincus, he says, the problem we all have is that the same way we say a bracha now, is the way we've been saying it since we were five or six years old. And because we've been saying it for so many years, it becomes more ingrained and, and just like a, a fixture of our mind. Says our Shem think in pictures. And this is along the same lines that we saw from Yisrael Salanter. The koach at utilizing the imagination. What am I thinking of when I say the words, baruch atah Hashem. So baruch obviously is a lashon of bracha. You're the source of blessing. Okay. But what picture goes through my mind when I say baruch atah Hashem? Listen to how Rav Shem, Shem describes this. He says, "Bari olam hu ein sof." We think for a moment, Hakadosh Baruch Hu is limitless. Lo rak ein sof shall Merchak, el ein sof Tzad. in every aspect of our reality, of our consciousness of Hashem, Hakadosh Baruch Hu is ein sof shall chesed ein sof shall kurva the closeness, the love, the mesikus, the sweetness. The koach, the direction, eno Milvado, Eim, Sof, everything is the limitless boreolim. And then I say, Baruch atah Hashem. Don't picture little blessings coming down from Shemayim. Rather, says M'shivshin Pincus, Baruch atah Hashem, Peirush brucho, Mabul shel shefa. Have in mind, mamish a flood of blessings. A shel shefa, baruch Hashem If, as I say those words, I'm picturing infinite, limitless koach and love and compassion, and Boruch means a mabul shel shefa, it's a very different blessing. It's a very different blessing. Practically speaking. To actually do this for any length of time or consistently is obviously very difficult. But we'll conclude with a uh, piece here from Don Segel, When he speaks about trying to apply these ideas in a very real way, he says, don't think for a moment just because I can't do this throughout the day or I can't do it for every tefillah or I can't do it for most of the tefillah I'm presently davening, therefore it's, it's worthless. Even one small thought, a fleeting moment. Any level of preparation, just a few seconds before I engage in something, yesh toeles maruba this can be transformative. It has a massive benefit for everything you're doing. (laughs) Just thinking those words, I'm about to daven before Hashem. Changes the tefillah. And he explains because ruchnius, everyone who has any interest in meditation, especially within the realm of of our mesorah and Yiddishkeit and utilizing it to come closer to Hashem, It's because we want more ruchnias. We want more spirituality. Ruchnias says, Rebdan Sego, Eino kamos ele echos." It's not about the quantity, it's the quality. One machshava, one moment of preparation can uplift your tefillah. Do not pay attention to the Yetzir Hara, that nagging voice we have in the back of our heads that's telling us, What can I do already? How can I concentrate? I'm exhausted. I have too many stresses. No. I should just think, whatever I'm able to do, I'm going to do it. V'chol ma'at shel bonanus hu harbei ma'od. Any moment of bonanus is, is infinitely significant. So my suggestion and my homework for all of us, we have two weeks until we get back together, all right? next Tuesday is Purim. The homework though is to try at some point to actually utilize the instructions of Rabbi Yisrael Salantar. Every step of the way to have a particular idea, right? Not just a vague thought, but actual words. If it's from a Pusik, if it's from Chazal, if it's a phrase that inspires me to have those words clearly etched in my mind, to say them, but not just to say them, to sing them and to think of a melody that could actually be uplifting, and to have the courage to sing it over and over again. And while I'm singing it, I'm not just spacing out, but I'm picturing myself living that reality. I'm picturing that situation, the the concept, the sha'ifa, that aspiration that I'm singing about. I'm actually envisioning myself going through those motions, or having that kind of interaction with this particular difficult person. That's our homework for this particular, uh, this week. And then we should be Zoha, to get a little bit closer to what the Eish Kodesh was talking about. Not just the Yediyah, a dry intellectual connection, but a real emotional relationship with Yiddishkeit and with the Kodesh Baruch Hu. Have a good night.